book two chapter one of strangers and pilgrims this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by john brandon strangers and pilgrims by mary elizabeth braden book two chapter one two souls alas dwell in my breast the one struggles to separate itself from the other the one clings with obstinate fondness to the world with organs like cramps of steel the other lifts itself majestically from the mist to the realms of an exalted ancestry a sunny afternoon in the second week of may one of those brilliant spring days which cheat the dweller in cities who has no indications of the year's progress around and about him no fields of newly sprouting corn or hedges where the blackthorn shows silvery white above grassy banks dappled with violets and primroses into the belief that summer is at hand the citizen has no succession of field birds to serve for his timekeepers but he hears canaries and piping bullfinches caroling in balconies perhaps sees a flower girl at a street corner and begins to think he is in the month of roses it seemed the month of roses in one small drawing-room in eden place south a back drawing-room and of the tiniest with a fernery of dark green grass artfully contrived to shed a dim religious light upon the chamber and at the same time mask the view of an adjacent muse the daintiest possible thing in the way of back drawing-rooms furnished with chairs and dwarf couches of the poof species covered with cream-colored cretonne and befrilled muslin a coffee table or two in convenient corners the clock on the maroon velvet covered mantelpiece a chubby cupid in turquoise sevray beating a drum the candelabra two other chubby blue bantlings struggling under their burden of wax candles curtains of maroon velvet and old flemish lace half screening the fire in the low steel grate ensconced in the most luxurious of the poofs with her feet on the tapestried fender stool a joint labor of the four latrell girls and a large green fan between her face and the glow sat elizabeth latrell she was not alone aunt chevigny was writing letters at her davenport in the front drawing-room the swift flight of her quill pen might be heard ever and anon in the rearward chamber and reginald paulin was sitting a cheval upon a smaller poof rocking himself to and fro to the endangerment of the casters as he discoursed come now i want you to like mrs cinqmars he said in an argumentative tone she may not be quite what you'd call good style i know very little of good or bad style interrupted elizabeth in a somewhat contemptuous tone your world is so new to me but certainly mrs cinqmars has hardly what that french secretary of legation i went into dinner with the other night called l'air du faubourg well no perhaps not dresses a little too much and indulges rather too freely in slang perhaps but she's the most kind-hearted creature in the world 
gives the best parties out not your high and mighty nine o'clock dinners with cabinet ministers and ambassadors and foreign princelings and so forth but carpet dances and acting charades and impromptu suppers and water parties you go to her house to amuse yourself in short and not to do the civil to a lot of elderly fogies with orders at their buttonholes or to talk politics with some heavy swell whose name is always cropping up in the times leaders who is mr cinqmars inquired elizabeth with a supercilious air henri du chatelet de cinqmars born a belgian of a french canadian father and an english mother that's his nationality made his money upon various stock exchanges and continues so to make it only extending his operations now and then by buying up a steamboat line or something in that way a man who will burst up some of these days no doubt and pay ninepence or so in the pound but in the meantime he lives very decently at the rate of twenty thousand a year he has literary proclivities too and is editor and proprietor of the ring a weekly paper in the sporting and theatrical interests with a mild flavor of the age and the satirist which you may or may not have seen i never look at newspapers said elizabeth but pray why are you so anxious that i should like your mrs du chatelet de cinqmars she asked lowering her fan and gratifying the viscount with an inquiring gaze from her brilliant eyes more than ever brilliant since she had drunk the sparkling cup of london pleasures because she's the nicest person you could possibly have for a chaperone ah of course i know answering her glance in the direction of the busy letter writer whose substantial form was visible in the distance your aunt is a plucky old party and can stand a good deal of knocking about for a veteran but i think she'd knock under if she tried mrs cinqmars work that blessed little woman shows up at every race in great britain from pontefract to the curra and at every regatta and in the autumn you find her at homburg or baden gambling like old boots now if you would only put yourself under her wing concluded lord paulyn persuasively you'd stand some chance of seeing life thank you very much but i think i've seen enough in the last five weeks to last me for the remainder of my existence mrs cinqmars is a most good-natured person no doubt she called me my dear half an hour after i'd been introduced to her and i won't be so rude as to say that she's not good style but she's not my style and i shouldn't care about knowing her more intimately besides papa wants me at home and i'm really anxious to go back she smiled to herself with a pensive smile thinking what reason she had for this anxiety thinking of the quiet country town the grey old norman church with its wide aisles and ponderous square tower the church along whose bare arched roof malcolm ford's deep voice echoed resonantly thinking of that widely different life with its sluggish calm and that it would be very sweet to go back to it now that life at hawley meant happy triumphant love 
and malcolm for her bond slave but in the meantime this other and more mundane existence with its picture galleries and gardens botanical and horticultural putting forth their first floral efforts its dinners and dejeuner and kettle drums and carpet dances was something more than tolerable to the soul of elizabeth she had made a success in her aunt's circle which was by no means a narrow one and had received adulation enough to turn a stronger brain had found a cup of pleasure filled to overflowing and new worshippers everywhere she appeared had mrs chevenix been a step or two higher on the nicely graduated platform of society miss luttrell might have been the belle of the season as it was people talked of her as the beautiful miss luttrell a country clergyman's daughter a mere nobody but a nobody whom it was a solecism not to have met she accepted this homage with an air of calm indifference something bordering even upon arrogance or superciliousness which told well for her but in her secret soul she absorbed the praises of mankind greedily she showed herself an adept in the art of flirtation and had given so much apparent encouragement to lord paulyn that although she had been only five weeks in town her engagement to that young nobleman was already an established fact in the minds of people who had seen them together but she was not the less constant to her absent lover not the less eager for his brief but earnest letters she looked forward to her future without a pang of regret with rapturous anticipation rather of a little heaven upon earth with the man she adored but she thought at the same time that her chosen husband was a peculiarly privileged being and that he had need to rejoice with a measureless joy in having won so rare a prize if he could see the attention i receive here he might think it almost strange that i should love him better than all the rest of the world she said to herself going back to hawley cried lord paulyn aghast why you mustn't dream of such a thing till after the good wood week i've set my heart on showing you good wood what is good wood asked elizabeth thinking it might be some new kind of game an improvement upon croquet perhaps and when is the good wood week towards the end of july in july that would never do i must go home in a fortnight at the latest why your aunt told me you were coming up for the season my aunt has no right to say anything of the kind oh but it's positively absurd exclaimed the viscount going back just when there'll be most people in town and such a dingy old hole as hawley what possible necessity can there be for your returning mr luttrell has your three sisters to take care of him he'll do well enough i should think oh yes i dare say he will get along very well said elizabeth thinking of another person who had written lately to inquire rather seriously whether the few weeks were not nearly over whether she had not had ample time already for a brief survey of a world whose pomps and vanities she was going to renounce for ever only thereby conforming to the pious promises of her godfathers and godmothers 
which her own lips had ratified at her confirmation come now said lord paulyn returning to the charge do let me arrange an alliance between you and mrs cinqmars she's just the kind of person with whom you could enjoy yourself she has a box on the grand stand at epsom and ascot every year i shouldn't wonder if she had bought the freehold of them and always takes a brace of pretty girls with her if you would only let her drive you down to the derby now to-morrow week i'll be responsible for your having a delightful day and i'll be in attendance to show you everything and everybody worth seeing thanks i don't think my aunt cares for mrs cinqmars your aunt is about a century behind the times but perhaps flora mrs c hasn't been civil enough to her let me drive you and mrs chevenix down to fulham this afternoon tuesday's her day for receiving and you'll see no end of nice people there i'll send my groom for the drag and take you through the park in good style a four-in-hand seemed to elizabeth the glory and triumph of the age and there was nothing particular in the easton place programme for this afternoon i shall like it very well she said brightening if auntie would consent oh i'll soon settle that replied lord paulyn rising from his poof and going into the next room mrs chevenix after a little diplomatic hesitation consented to everything except the drag no young lady with a proper regard for her reputation can ride on the box-seat of a four-in-hand unless the coachman is her brother or her husband i'm very glad i'm not the first in this case said lord paulyn and i certainly mean to be the second if i can these were the plainest words the viscount had yet spoken and they moved the spirit of aunt chevenix with exceeding joy albeit she knew that her niece was engaged to mr ford if you really wish us to visit mrs cinqmars and you know dear lord paulyn there is very little i would not do to oblige you she said with a maternal air i'll take lizzie down to the rancho in the brougham and you can join us there if you like mrs cinqmars has called upon me several times and i have not returned her visits she seems a very good-natured little person but you see i'm getting an old woman and i don't care much about cultivating new acquaintance thus mrs chevenix who had run herself into a fever in the pursuit of an unknown countess lord paulyn waved the question of the drag regretfully my horses haven't been as fit as they are to-day since they came from grass he said but i'll drive down alone what time will you start it's just four mrs cinqmars is always in full force from five to six if you'll be kind enough to ring the bell i'll order the carriage for a quarter to five i shall have time to dress after i've finished my letters for the general post can't think how any one can write letters now we've got the telegraph said lord paulyn staring in amazement at aunt chevenix's bulky dispatches i always wire but if you were in love and separated from the object of your affection suggested mrs chevenix smiling i should wire or if i had something uncommonly spoony to say i might spell it backwards in the second column of the times i don't know how to write a letter indeed i'm not at all clear 
that i haven't forgotten how to write longhand altogether i keep my betting book in cipher and when i send a telegram i always dictate the message to the post office clerk but i should have thought now with respect to your racehorses the telegraph system might be dangerous there are things you want to keep dark as you call it are there not of course there are but we've got our code my trainer and i and use private names for every brute in my stable got a message this morning bryant and may taken to the bassoon by which i know that vesuvian a two-year-old i was backing for next year has been run out of her wind in some confounded trial and is musical musical yes ma'am a roarer if you want it in plain english dear me how provoking said mrs chevenix with a sympathetic countenance but with not the faintest idea what the viscount meant elizabeth consented to the rancho business languidly i'd rather stay at home and finish my novel she said looking at an open novel lying on one of the poofs you can't imagine what an exciting chapter you interrupted lord paulyn but of course i shall go if auntie likes auntie has such an insatiable appetite for society mrs chevenix raised her eyebrows and regarded her niece with admiring wonder who would ever imagine the child had been reared in a devonshire vicarage she exclaimed as elizabeth sat fanning herself an image of listless grace who would have supposed venus came out of the sea replied the viscount she didn't look weedy or sandy or shellfishy that ever i heard of but came up smiling with her hair combed out as neatly as the tails and manes of my fillies and as to rustic bringing up there was that young woman in the play lady teasel you know see how she carried on the viscount departed after this happy in the prospect of meeting elizabeth an hour later in the happy hunting grounds of the rancho perhaps the best field for flirtation within three miles of hyde park corner elizabeth exclaimed mrs chevenix when they were alone with an air of almost awful solemnity there is a coronet lying at your feet if you have only the wisdom to pick it up i am not going to make any complaint or to express my opinions or to say anything in disparagement of that person i've kept my feelings upon that subject locked within my breast at any cost of pain to myself but if when you have looked around you and seen what the world is made of you can be so infatuated as to persist in your mad course i can only pity you don't take the trouble to do that auntie i can imagine no higher happiness than that which i have chosen a coronet is a grand thing of course with all the other things that go along with it i am not going to pretend that i don't care for the world and its pleasures i do care for them i have enjoyed my life in the last three weeks more than i thought it possible that life could be enjoyed i fear that i have an infinite capacity for frivolity 
and yet i shall be proud to surrender all these things for the love of the man i have chosen the man you have chosen repeated mrs chevenix with a shiver my dearest lizzie is there not a shade of indelicacy in the very phrase i can't help that answered elizabeth coolly i know that i did choose him i chose him from all creation for the lord of my life worshipped him in secret when i thought he was indifferent to me should have died of a broken heart i believe or at any rate of mortification and disappointment if he had never returned my love this was a bold declaration intended to extinguish aunt chevenix at once and for ever my poor child said the matron shaking her head with a deploring air i am inexpressibly grieved to hear you speak in that wild manner of such a person as your father's curate a man in that position cannot afford to be loved in that exaggerated way a grand passion is out of keeping among people with limited incomes and their career to make in the world with people of established position it is different of course and though i might smile at such an infatuation were you to entertain it for lord paulyn i could hardly disapprove you and he would be as far removed from the vulgar herd of engaged persons as a prince and princess in a fairy tale and might safely indulge in some little extravagance you need fear very little extravagance on my part if lord paulyn were my accepted lover answered elizabeth with a cynical laugh imagine any one mated to that prosaic being with his slang and his stable talk in spite of those small drawbacks which after all are natural to his youth and open-hearted disposition i believe him to be capable of a most devoted attachment i have seen him gaze at you elizabeth in a way that made my blood run cold when i considered that you were capable of trampling upon such a heart for the sake of a scotch curate however i will say nothing concluded mrs chevenix with heroism after having said all she wanted to say in half an hour the two ladies were dressed and on their way to fulham elizabeth enveloped in a fleecy cloud of whiteness with gleams of lustrous mauve here and there among her drapery and a mauve feather in her white chip hat gloves faultless parasol a gem a toilet whose finishing touches had been furnished by the well-filled purse of mrs chevenix the matron herself was resplendent in bronze silk and an imposing blue bonnet they had put on their richest armor for the encounter with mrs cinqmars a lady who spent her life in trying to dress down her acquaintance end of book two chapter one recording by john brandon